0: everyone, my name is Matt, and welcome back to the Connect the Dots podcast. This is episode number three, and it's all about planning your year. So as you're listening to this, it's probably right before 2021. Of course, if you are listening to it in the future, then it's still a really good episode to listen to. I do also want to tell you that right from the beginning, This is a good bookend, episode to episode two, which was all about the annual review. And so what we can do over the next couple of weeks together, especially as we're in this transition period between the end of one year, being 2020, and the beginning of a new year, being 2021, is reviewing the year in the past so we can better understand and plan what we're capable of going into the new year. So we're gonna spend some time in review and now we're gonna spend some time in preview of the new year. And here's what I want you to do. We're gonna get right into this. What I want you to do is think about and start listing every single goal that you have for the coming year, okay? So take out your bullet journal, take out a sheet of paper, Take out your planner, open up Notion or Roam or whatever you use for planning on like your computer or iPad. Doesn't matter what you use. What I want you to do is just make a no judgment list of every goal that you can think of that you want to achieve in the coming year. Okay. And I give you a minute just to do that. I mean, not literally a minute, but it's totally okay with me if you pause this and spend a minute writing something down okay all right so if you are done writing down all of your goals and you're back here with me what i want you to do next is draw a line down the paper or create a new column or just a place next to each goal where you can write down an estimate of how long you think each goal is going to take all right so hit pause on this do the same thing again go through all your goals and write down how long you estimate each goal is going to take. All right, here we go. Step three, make another column, draw another line, and you have your goal, and then you have the estimated time that you think it's going to take. And now the next thing that I want you to do, and this might take a little bit longer than a minute, and I want you to think about, is this an outcome-based goal or a system-based goal? Before you hit pause, let me explain that. An outcome based goal, and I'll just give you a little bit of a preview of a couple of goals that I have for the coming year, an outcome based goal that I have is to prepare and launch a new version of my course, 25 hour days. That is something that has a definitive end, like getting ready to launch and now it's launched and now I run the course. So each one of those is a specific outcome with an ending in mind, okay? Launching, completing, all of those things. That's a specific outcome, all right? Now, a system-based goal is something that you want to do continually, perhaps without any maybe specific end in mind. And we'll talk about like how to structure even system-based goals to see if they're working for you. We'll talk about that in another episode coming up. But for example, a system-based goal that I have is to record a weekly video for YouTube and record a weekly podcast for Connect the Dots. And I like to think of those as system-based goals because what I need to do is create a system each week or each month that allows me to create what will become a weekly YouTube video and a weekly podcast. Do you see the distinction there? There's not a specific outcome in mind. And also for something that is creative like this, often we think of goals, and I've fallen into this trap before as well. I think of like a YouTube goal as like, well, I need to get to 100,000 subscribers, right? But what is a more realistic and achievable goal that will still challenge me is instead of saying like, well, I need to hit hundred thousand subscribers in 2021. Instead, my goal is to create a system where I'm finally creating a weekly video. And if I get really good at creating a weekly video, maybe I can go to two videos a week. And so that is a system that I can implement that doesn't rely on anything else except my time management and my output. Whereas trying to hit a specific subscriber number or a certain download number for the podcast, that isn't always necessarily within my control. Uh, The YouTube algorithm has a lot of control (laughs) over who sees my videos and thus the video that I make still needs to be interesting that people want to subscribe to. But some of that stuff is out of my control. Do you see the distinction there? An outcome-based goal is something that has a definitive ending in mind. You, you finish the project, you launch the course, things like that. A system-based goal are goals that you don't have a specific end in mind. It's just like, I need to write my blog post. I need to record my podcast. A lot of creative goals and especially content creation goals, if you're listening and that's something that you do either on the side or as your primary work, that is something that's very common for a system rather than a specific outcome. Now that we've explained that, you can go ahead and hit pause and write down for each goal that you have next to the time that you estimate that it's going to take, is this more of an outcome or a system-based goal? So step four, I want you to look at the year ahead and I want you to start plotting out or planning out or timing the goals that you have in the time that you know you have available. And normally what I recommend people do is not to plan to do more than three major goals at any given time, okay? Now, there is a little distinction about this that we'll get to in a little bit about the time that you set aside for system-based goals and the time that you set aside for outcome-based goals, but it is important to think about how many of these things can I actually do on a weekly, monthly, or quarterly basis. And most of the big goals that I give myself, I'm gonna read a few out to you, but most of the big goals that I set for the year ahead, most of them are either system-based goals or goals that I'm giving myself a quarter of the year, so three months to get done. Let me give you some examples. My three big system goals, I've already mentioned them to you, are weekly YouTube videos, weekly podcast episodes, and weekly, email newsletters. So each of those three, I need to set aside time in my week right from the beginning to make sure that I'm spending enough time on these primary system goals. The other goals that I have that are more outcome-based goals, I'm going to go ahead and read them to you, it's to redesign and get ready to relaunch my course 25-hour days. And then part two of that goal is to actually do... And then part two of that goal is to actually relaunch and run a new cohort of the 25 hour days course. And a quick distinction on that, maybe I could do all those things in three months, but given the time that I already know that I have to allocate to doing the weekly content, I'm just going to give myself a good three months to make sure that I've redesigned and rebuilt the course itself to give myself enough time to do a really good launch at the beginning of Q2. So it's okay if you have a larger goal or something that you might think take a little more time to break it into, okay, I'm gonna do part one of this in one quarter, and then I'm gonna do part two of this in another quarter. Speaking of which, another like two-quarter goal that I've broken down is in 2021, I have a goal to run, launch, and complete a successful Kickstarter campaign for a notebook concept that I'm going to create. Now, I'm seeing that as a really big goal. And the thing that I want to do is one of my quarterly goals is to create the concepts and validate just the Kickstarter campaign. Like, you're gonna be getting emails from me or you're gonna see me talk about the notebook and how I'm creating it. And I'm gonna see whether it's from downloads or like small pre-Kickstarter orders if people are really interested in the notebook concept that I have. And if that is successful, then I'll move forward to actually like pricing out the notebook, finding suppliers, and then doing the Kickstarter campaign. So that's another goal. Both of them are outcome-based, but I'm breaking them into two quarterly kind of sub-goals of the larger Kickstarter campaign. There are four more goals that I have for 2021. The other is to really increase my coaching program. So I want to book 50 new coaching clients, whether that's group or one-on-one in 2021. That means that I need to book between 10 or 15 new clients every single quarter, or even just like have the same people sign up. That's kind of, that's what I'm looking for are 50 slots to be filled that could be like by 15 of the same people signing up every quarter. And so that is a goal that I have, an outcome-based goal. And that will take all year because that's how I'm kind of bringing it up. I want to say like by the end of the year, I will have booked 50 client slots and my coaching programs. The next one is that I want to redesign my website. It is something that I have largely ignored over the past couple of years and now that I'm going full-time on my own business, I need to have a better website presence and not just rely on YouTube for where like people find out things about me. Another goal that I have is to rewrite the majority of the emails that I send to people. I'm not necessarily talking about this from the weekly newsletter perspective, but instead like the welcome emails and the onboarding emails that if you sign up to learn more about bullet journaling, that there are better emails going out that teach you about it, before you start receiving the weekly newsletter. Same thing if you're interested in time tracking or goal setting or note taking that I need to rewrite and redesign all of the emails that I send that give you that introductory content and low key coaching on how you can succeed with each of those goals and outcomes that you might have that you're interested in learning from me about. The final goal that I have for 2021 is that I want to take most of a month off. I've never taken a full month off before, and there are still some things that I would probably do. Like I would maybe still make a video or two, but I wanna take a month off from the kind of like 10-ish hour a day pace that I've been going for most of the last three to five years and maybe only work a few hours a day or like the equivalent of just 10 to 15 hours a week on a couple of different projects instead of being like, know (laughs) eight o'clock to six o'clock ish every single day and sometimes on the weekends as well so one of the reasons that i wanted to start my own business and go full time on the business that i was building on the side is to have better control of my time and be able to structure it any way that i want to and build a business that fits around that those are all my goals for 2021 it's about 10 goals Four, uh, three or four of them are system-based goals and the rest of them are outcome-based goals. And few are things that I expect to take all year. And several of them are just goals that I'm focusing on for a particular quarter. The reason that I normally land in the 10 to 15 range for total goals for the year is because that way I can look at the time that I estimate that each of these goals will take And that way I'm not doing more than three, four at the most main goals for any particular quarter or at any particular time. Now here's a distinction and a framework that I want to explain to you that'll help you break down even quarterly goals that you have into something that you can easily track over the month, week, and days that take up the quarter that you're planning for and that is the QMWD framework that just simply stands for quarter month week and day so let me explain this to you like for example if I was going to set a goal of rewriting all of the email all of the welcome emails that I have for my different topics that I teach on okay so if the main outcome that I have for the quarter is to rewrite all these emails and let's say just for sake of argument that it is 15 to 20 emails in total that i need to rewrite well what i'm going to do and probably the easiest thing for me to do for this specific goal is to kind of break it down and say like okay i have four main topics so i need to do at least one and then a little bit of another one every single month so let's say in january my m my monthly milestone for the month is to rewrite all the bullet journal emails. Okay, so that's like six to eight emails that I'll probably rewrite and redo. Okay, so if that is my monthly milestone, and I could even create that as like even a sub goal of rewriting all the emails, but I want to have a milestone of completing the bullet journal basics series by the end of January. Now I'm looking and breaking it down even further and saying, okay, If my monthly milestone is to complete this set of emails, how many emails do I need to write each week in order to complete that monthly milestone of completing the bullet journal basics series? Okay, so if there are eight emails, I basically need to make sure that I have time blocked off for two emails written each week. Okay, that'll probably take me two hours each week. So that becomes my weekly deliverable. Now the day, the D of this, is to look at my week ahead and see when can I effectively block out time during the week on a specific day, at a specific time to say two hours writing these two bullet journal basics emails and so now if i follow this system all the way through then a couple of days a week i'm going to spend time writing the emails if i do that every single week that'll give me those eight emails at the end of the month which will get me on the path get me on the way of doing this consistently to make sure that at the end of the quarter, I will have rewritten these 20 to 25 emails and done it in a really effective way. That's something that I wanna make really clear and encourage you on is these goals that may seem really big at the beginning when you set them up can be broken down into specific milestones, deliverables, and kind of daily tasks that allow you to incrementally make progress, get those initial wins, stay consistent, build momentum. And then all of a sudden you'll be like, wow, I've maybe done a little early, which is great. Or I'm just, I'm on track for this. I know I'm gonna complete it because I have my system in place for when I'm gonna do it. I have time scheduled out and I'm just doing the thing. It feels really great. Now you may think to yourself matt this is something that i can do much faster than that and maybe you can and there are certainly things on here that i might be able to do faster than i expect but and this is a really important distinction something that i've learned personally after years now of tracking time and doing this kind of productive mindful work is that the weekly system goals that you set up in my case YouTube videos, podcasts, coaching, writing emails, those often take up a lot more time than I expect and I think they take up more time than you expect. And so when you look at the week ahead, it's very likely that some of these goals that you have set up for yourself, when you take out all of the time that you've already kind of allocated for things that have to be done every single week, you have less time available than you expect to work on your long-term goals. This can often be a reason why people fall behind and get discouraged and just like, well, now it's a month and I haven't done anything about this goal that I rigidly planned out. You understand? I'm sure this has happened to you. I know it's happened to me. And so this is another reason why, even if I look at something and the like very, like motivated part of me is like, ah, write 20 emails. I can do that in like two weeks or just like one really focused week. No big deal. But then I get into that week. as like, shoot, it takes me like 15 hours to do a YouTube video. It takes me five hours to do a podcast at least, a couple hours to do my weekly newsletter. I coach for like 10 or 15 hours a week. Shoot, that's like 35 hours. And, you know, I only have like four or five at the most, 10 hours to work on something that I had previously thought I'm going to have like, you know, 20, 30 hours this week to work on the thing. Not going to happen a lot of times. So it's important to look at the weekly systems, kind of the weekly benchmark tasks that you have to do and understand the time you have remaining to do them so that you can properly estimate the time that you're going to be able to give to these other long-term goals that you're working on. The other reason that I like to do quarterly is that it gives me a little bit more wiggle room. If I miss a week, then I can restructure some things. Maybe, I can, maybe I've been able to get myself a little bit more ahead on YouTube or podcasting or emails. I'm like, okay, well, this 10, out, 10 to 15 hours a week that I spend on YouTube, I can spend that on something else this week and catch up on the goal, again, as long as I don't spend that on other like downhill work of like, well, now let me make sure that I can catch up on all the emails instead when I should be making progress on my long-term goals. Let's talk about long-term goals a little bit more. Often people ask me like, well, what about a three-year plan? What about a five-year plan or a 10-year plan? For better or for worse, I don't do a whole lot of long-term planning for my life or for my work. I know directions that I want to take. I know themes that I want to have. And I wanna make sure that the annual goals that I have are aligned with the direction and the focus that I want to be taking in my life and business. So let me give you a little bit of example. This is actually a really good time to be talking about this because I am in the midst of a transition from working at software companies for the past five years into working for myself full time. And that's really interesting and really exciting. And one of the things that I've realized doing annual reviews for the past 10 to 12 years is that my life has kind of gone in five year cycles, that I've taken specific directions for about five years at a time, even if they're not all at the exact same company or the exact uh, same type of work. I'll give you an example. In 2009, really uh, back in 2008, but 2009 specifically in that summer, I took a job at a summer camp, summer camp that I had Grown up going to that i worked at all through college i took a full-time position at the summer camp so i was working with kids i was working with young men i was leading staff i was doing a lot of training and recruiting and it was a really important special time for me and i worked at that camp for four years and then i spent the next two years i realized kind of in retrospect like i said. I realized I was still working with kids. I started being a lacrosse and football coach. I was a substitute teacher. I still worked with uh, kids a lot in kind of the middle school age range. But then in 2015, so right around five years, I started working in software and started working with tech companies. And from 2015 to now 2020, I worked in those software companies, another five-year cycle, a five-year direction in technology companies. And now I know that I want to make my next five year direction solely about the work that I'm doing on my own, on the ideas and concepts and strategies that I'm developing. And so my five year plan, I would just say, is to wholeheartedly pursue the work that I'm starting to do now, starting in 2021. And for me, what I find really interesting about this is when I made these transitions before in my life, I didn't realize it as much at the time that I was taking these five-year chunks of my life to focus on a specific thing or a particular type of work. And now that I'm realizing this before I'm going into my next five-year stretch, It's really interesting to think about how do I want to envision and plan and be purposeful about what these next five years look like. And so I am doing a little bit more long-term planning now, but it's really more about what direction do I want to be going in? What is the purpose of the work? Who am I serving? What kind of things am I talking about that are going to help improve your life? All right, so we've talked about the QMWD framework, which is taking a big goal that you have, a quarterly goal, and breaking it down into, okay, what is the outcome at the end of the quarter that I want to hit? What is, or what are three monthly milestones that I can plan out to make sure that if I hit these milestones, I know that I'm on track to hit the outcome of my goal. And then within each monthly milestone, what are the four weekly deliverables? And then on each weekly deliverable, how can I look at the days that I have available, the time that I have available in the days of that week to make sure I'm scheduling out the time that I need to hit that weekly deliverable so that if I hit the weekly deliverable, I'm going to make progress on the monthly milestone, and if I hit each monthly milestone, I'm going to naturally achieve a positive outcome of my quarterly goal. Now, if you want some help kind of breaking this down, I do have a worksheet for you, and I'm gonna put it in the description in the show notes as well, but it's three, the number three keys, K-E-Y-S dot F-Y-I. So this is a video and a worksheet that you can download and access and watch to see how to go through QMWD and the next framework which we're gonna talk about, which is the VET score, and that's V-E-T score. The reason that I came up with the VET score is to help people specifically who either have a lot of goals, maybe you've listed like 30 goals that you wanna get done, and or for people who are just having trouble prioritizing either what to do first or what to make sure they're focusing the majority of their time on. Like, if I have three goals, but then it turns out I can only do one or two of them for the quarter because of the time that I actually have available, then which one do I actually do? which one should I prioritize? A lot of people have trouble prioritizing their work and their tasks and their projects. And so that's what the VET, the VET score, will help you out with. And here's what it stands for. It stands for value, ease, and time, all right? So I'm gonna break each of these down for you real quick. The value piece means, it can mean quite literally how much money is this project or this goal going to bring you? So especially if you you work at a company or this is for a company that you run on your own, if you're looking at different ideas and opportunities and projects, which one is gonna bring you the most money? Now you can also think of this in terms of like happiness or desire, how much like, how how excited you are about it. And so the way that you measure value can be different on different projects. But one of the ones, like especially if you're working for yourself or for a company, often it's going to default to what is like the monetary value of the project. The E stands for ease, which is thinking about how easy is it for you to do? That's pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Based on the talents, the skills, and resources that you have, how easy will it be for you to complete this project? Now, the T stands for time. And time is how much time is it going to take for you to complete this project, this series of tasks? And don't confuse thinking that ease and time are as closely correlated as they seem to be on the surface. Often they are, but I want you to be careful thinking that or realizing that something that's easy can still be really time consuming. Busy work, sometimes some types of like for me data entry or like updating different different like pieces of the business are really easy for me to do, but they're very time consuming. And so I tend... To not focus on them as much, sometimes my detriment, or you just sometimes these types of things you can hire people to help you with, and it all of a sudden becomes one of their goals, <laughs> one of their systems. So don't confuse that too much, all right? The difference between ease and time can be opposed instead of closely correlated. Here's how you're gonna rank everything. You're going to assign a score of one to 10 to each project okay so list all your projects or all your goals and you're going to say on a scale of one to ten value ease and time give each one of them a like a score of 10 being the most valuable the easiest the difference and you should definitely watch the three keys video for a further explanation of this the little trick on the numbers for time is that the more time something takes the lower the number is going to be all right so the easier, or the the less time that it takes, the higher the score that it is, okay? Like I said, make sure you go to threekeys.fyi and you can see me work through this uh, like on the worksheet and it'll make a lot more sense, okay? So now you're gonna take those three numbers, so let's just say for simplicity's sake, so you're gonna add in a score for value, ease, and time for each goal. Now you're going to divide those numbers by three and that is the score for that goal. And then you just look at all the goals you have and you're going to see like, okay, well based on the value, ease and time of this goal, I should prioritize goals C, F and M to make sure that I'm doing the highest leverage things that are going to move my business, move my work, move my life forward. And again, just one last thing, make sure that if you wanna see a visual example of this, go to 3keys.fyi and download that worksheet, get access to the video, you're going to see me work through all of this on the screen. And if you were a little confused by VET, it'll make a lot more sense when you watch that. Now I wanna encourage you on something about the VET score as well. Often people will go through the VET score exercise And they'll be a little sad. They're like, ah, well, I really wanted to do goal C, but it actually ranked last. And I'm like, hmm, something to think about with that. And especially if you find yourself really being sad that you can't do something, that you really wanted to, I would maybe argue now, I'd have to hear the situation, maybe where I was coaching you, but I would have to hear the situation. But I would, I would maybe argue with you that you didn't perhaps put the value as high as you should have. Now, maybe it's not going to make you a whole lot of money, but if you're looking at it like, man, this would be so cool to do. Maybe, maybe because it didn't make a lot of money, you only put it like a four value, but just like you're just really excited to do it. Maybe it should be a 10 and it's the same, it's the same thing if you have a couple of goals that you're trying to decide between and they're pretty close in score, but one of them you just look at and you're like, Ugh, I just, I don't know how it's gonna go from a value perspective, but I would love to work with this person. I would love to finally get my course completed, even though I don't, I don't really know what the value is going to be i don't know how the launch is going to go that's a really common decision that people are faced with and it's a way that people often get stuck in trying to decide like just kind of freeze up and you don't know how to make the decision all right in this case i would always default to whatever you're most excited to do whatever you're most excited to do lean towards that Okay, that's always the (laughs) tiebreaker for me is what am I most excited to do? Okay, it's gonna be that thing that I'm focusing on for the next few months. Here's another thing that I really want to encourage you on as you're going through this process. So many people get stuck in goal setting and achievement and planning because either they're not used to it or there have been failures in the past or like I was saying, you can get stuck in trying to figure out what's the exact right thing to do. What if I choose incorrectly? What if I spend my time, the little time that I have on something that doesn't work out? And uh, I can't tell you how much that resonates with me and how I have been in that situation. But I can tell you confidently as someone who has gone through this, that trusting yourself, because that's really the issue, right? You don't trust yourself to make the right decision, to pick the right project, to prioritize the right goal. Often that's what it boils down to, and it makes me so sad. And it, part of the reason it makes me so sad is because I remember like that version of myself. And sometimes you know, he still shows up. <laughs> remember that, that bad roommate that we talked about in the first episode? That bad roommate shows up in my like my inner voice and is like, "Here you go, you're gonna pick the wrong thing again." How do you even know that that's gonna work out? You have to be able to make decisions, set priorities, and follow through and live with the consequences. Because what you're doing is you're learning how to trust yourself. You really are. Even in the wrong decisions, you're learning how to trust yourself because you're building experience, you're establishing expertise, even just for your own decisions. And that is so key because the more that you do this, it's like anything else. The more that you make decisions, the more that you pursue goals, the more that you like establish systems for yourself, you get to start to see what works and what doesn't. And that is a feedback loop That goes into the next round of decisions that you make. The way that you set annual goals going into 2022 will be much better than setting the goals that you have in 2021 because you'll have a whole year's worth of experience as long as you're consistent about it. I would think like the biggest failure that you could have when it comes to goal setting is to just kind of give up on it And unfortunately that's what so many people do is you set annual goals you get to the end of january and you're like oh this sucks yeah i'm behind it's not working i don't even know if this matters like i already missed this milestone and this deliverable and eh, not gonna do it that can be tough but then you go through another 11 months of not practicing these things and we're just gonna we're just gonna repeat the same negative cycle at that point so i want to encourage you to stick with it and to begin to trust yourself enough to make decisions and learn from the outcomes learn from the experience that's the way that you're going to get better you're going to get more productive i mean a big thing is because you're going to trust yourself more because you know that you just are in the arena you are the man the woman you are the person in the arena doing the work and making the decisions Okay, if that hit a little too close to home for you, you just feel seen in what I just described of like, oh, I'm going to set my annual goals, but then I've had trouble in the past. I get to January, I get to the, even the end of January and like, oh, I'm so far behind and I'm not making progress on these things. And so just going to throw in the towel and see what happens for the rest of the year. If that resonated with you, here is something that I would focus on instead. All right. What I want you to do is instead of setting a whole bunch of annual goals, like planning out your entire year, being like, I'm going to do this in Q2 and I'm going to do this in Q3, and then I'm going to bring it home with a bang on Q4. Instead, still go ahead and do everything that we talked about at the beginning. List all of your goals, say how long they're going to take and then decide if it's an outcome or a system. And what I would do is go ahead and rank some with the VET score if you want, or just pick out one goal that you wanna focus on, just literally just one that you want to focus on at the beginning of the year, okay? And if it's something that you think will take a whole quarter, like three months, even break that down further, what is the first milestone of this goal that I want to make progress on just in January. Because what I want you to focus on is just that, being laser focused about one goal, one outcome, one system, one thing to plan for and make progress on. Because I believe what you really need at the beginning of the year are wins and momentum. And if you can focus on one thing, you're a lot more likely to find the time to do it, to build in the systems that are going to help you succeed, to build the habits that are gonna help you succeed with this goal and make progress on it. And then when you hit that monthly milestone or you hit that goal at the end of the month, you're gonna be like, yeah, I've got this. I had a goal, I achieved it, right on, that's great. And if even the month feels too big, again, just kinda use the WD, like talk about or think about What do I wanna do this week? What is one goal? Like maybe if you want to launch a blog, if you want to start blogging or start a YouTube channel or a podcast for an entire quarter, that's your entire year goal. What I would think about doing of having a goal is like, okay, can I make a five minute video recording, a one minute video recording or a five minute podcast episode just to get some wins, just to build momentum on the larger goal that you want to achieve, all right? So give yourself some space, give yourself the gift of focus and only doing one thing at the beginning if you've had trouble with this in the past because we want, I want you to build momentum and consistency early on. That'll give you a lot of confidence and clarity as you go through the rest of the year. Okay, so I want to kind of connect the dots here and tie a bunch of these things together with another framework that you can think about when it comes to how should I allocate my time, attention, and focus on these different goals or different areas of my business or the responsibilities that I have in my job. And a really good way to do this is Google's 70-20-10 rule. This has allowed Google to not just maintain their, their success and their core businesses, but also make sure that they're giving time and attention to new ideas and opportunities that help them continue to innovate and grow even while being really successful, because it's something that a lot of companies face. If you focus too much on your core business, you can be really successful for a long time, but eventually you're not going to innovate and find or do the next big thing that continues to help your company grow into the next 10, 20, 50 years. However, on you know conversely, if you ignore your core business the way that you're making money or gathering attention, then and just kind of focus on like, ooh, this is a new idea, ooh, this is a new idea, or this could be the next big thing, then your core business will suffer and you'll just have a lot of like half-finished ideas and you know that's not gonna work either. So let me explain what each of these percentages mean because that's what 70-20-10 is. It's 70% of your time on your core business or core goals, core projects, 20% of your time on promising new opportunities, and then 10% of your time on these wild new ideas, what could be the next big thing? Where do I see the market going? What does my intuition say? All right? So, 70% of your time on core business, 20% of your time on promising new opportunities, and then 10% of your time on what could be the next big thing. That provides enough balance of time, attention, resources allocation, yeah, you know, allocating all of those things. It provides a good enough balance that allows you to maintain success in core business models but also giving you time and opportunity to find the next big thing let me give you an example from google itself their core business is search so they spend 70 percent of their time on say search on youtube those like core business things but let's just say for example that their core business has always been search well Then they spend 20% of their time on promising new opportunities. And so along with search, they started to develop AdSense, which is the ad revenue model that actually like powers. Now it's a, now it is a core thing (laughs) that they take care of, but they were spending 20% of their time developing AdSense. They spent 20% of their time initially uh, developing YouTube. They spent 20% of their time on like Google Maps or Google Earth. So those were all promising opportunities because once people want to search the internet, they also want to search like local areas. Okay. So that was 20% of the time, 10% of the time they were just thinking about wild new ideas. I think actually AdSense started in 10% time, but the most famous example Google has of a project and idea that started in 10% time was Gmail. their like all powerful email service. That started in 10% time. And it's interesting to see and realize that as a project, as a goal gains traction, it kind of rises up through these different percentages and these different like areas of allocation. And so Gmail, starting at 10% time, then became a promising new opportunity that got 20% of the time, and it continued to grow until now. It's a part of the core business. And so 70%, it's one of those things that they spend 70% of their time focusing on so what does that mean for me? What does that mean for you? well the way that I think about it is considering and looking at whether it's revenue or yeah, Attention traffic whatever it is. What are the things that make up? What are the goals and projects that make up the 70% of my core business? Well for me? It's YouTube videos it is coaching it are they are those two things that make up 70% of how I run the business. Now a 20%, a 20% project, a 20% goal is exactly this podcast. I'm not spending near as much time on it as I would a YouTube video or as much time as I would for a like coaching client or a coaching program. And that's good because right now this literally makes no money. And so the value of it, going back to the VET score, let's connect the dot there, the value of it is much lower. But it's actually pretty easy for me to do, and it does take time, but it doesn't take a ton of time. So I have a pretty good rank there, and it's something that I really want to do. Okay, So we're connecting the dots between the 70-20-10 rule and how it fits in with the VET score as well. So that's an example of a 20% time. One that is kind of in the middle and kind of goes up and down based on the time of year are my courses, like 25-hour days. Right now, the way that I am spending time on 25-hour days is as a promising new opportunity. Now, as it continues to grow and there are more members in the course, it could grow into something that needs to take up part of that 70% time. So maybe coaching goes down a little bit. I don't know, but that's, some, that's a way that uh, different areas or projects could shift between 70 and 20% time. Now, the 10%, what is the wild idea? What is the next big thing that I could possibly do? Well, I've already talked about it. It is the Kickstarter, the notebook. But if I spent weeks at a time, all of my time during a week, just focused on like validating a concept for this for this notebook, for this journal and i stopped coaching and i stopped putting videos on youtube. I let's be honest, like a lot of people would forget <laughs> that i was around. Yeah, you know, that consistency, that core business, i wouldn't make any money because i wasn't coaching and i wasn't selling courses. I'd kind of have all my eggs in the kickstarter basket and if oh no, that didn't go to plan, then i'd be in a lot of trouble because i spent I spent too much time and attention, too many of my resources on something that really for right now is a 10% time project. But if I'm steady about it and consistent and I'm just looking at it and saying like, okay, a few hours each week, two, three hours each week is what I'm doing. Just kind of continue to build ideas, concepts, copy, messaging, positioning, layouts for this journal, for this notebook, That could be something really big. That could be something that's really important. So do you see how I'm going from core business to promising opportunities like the podcast and the next big thing like the Kickstarter campaign? So those are really interesting ways, really useful. Like One of the biggest companies in the world uses 702010 as a way to make sure that they're spending the right amount of time attention and resources on their different goals and projects as they go into each quarter and each year. All right, everyone, that does it for this episode of Connect the Dots. I just want to remind you two things before we go. If you want a worksheet about this, if you want to watch a video of me explaining QMWD and the VET score specifically, make sure that you go to threekeys.fyi, that's the number three, k-e-y-s dot f-y-i you're gonna get the worksheet download and access to a free training video that you can watch where i'm going over everything specifically and you'll really see especially the vet score how to break each thing down the other thing is if especially if you're listening to this before the year ends the episode right before this episode two of connect the dots is all about questions that you can ask yourself ways to conduct an annual review I would do this before you set up your goals for the new year because it'll better help you understand what you actually got done this year and should be able to give you a better preview of what you're capable of doing next year. Okay? Thank you so much for listening to this episode and I hope you subscribe, rate, and review, but also there is a YouTube channel for Connect the Dots as well. And there are daily clips that go out with some of the best moments. So make sure that you're subscribed to the YouTube channels as well. That's how you can really get the full experience of Connect the Dots. But thank you so much for listening and watching and I'll see you next week with another new episode. Thanks so much everybody.